0: Welcome to the Lessons for Living television program. My name is Bill Santos. Thank you so much for watching. Now, I'm certain that I don't have to tell you that our world is filled with problems. Problems that don't seem to fit any human solution. I believe everybody in the world feels exactly the same way. I mean, none of us are warmongers but it seems that in spite of ourselves, that in spite of everything, we seem to be pushed more and more towards war. Now, it is true that Jesus said, there shall be wars and rumors of wars, and that all of these are but the beginning of the birth pains. Now, the Bible gives us the answer to every human need and that is exactly why Jesus must come again. See, I believe the greatest fact confronting the world in the church is the imminent return of our Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible teaches that there will be no peace in the world this side of the return of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so the only solution, as far as the Bible is concerned, is that that same man who hung on a cross 2,000 years ago, seemingly helpless as he was dying for your sins and mine, he will descend from the skies to set things straight. But this time, the Bible says, he comes not as a lamb, but as the lion of the tribe of Judah. He comes this time to take charge and to rescue those who have decided to serve him with all their hearts. Now, many ask the question, where is the second coming of Jesus Christ really taught in the Bible? Or or is that just some sort of fantasy that you Christians promote? I've had more than one person tell me I've been going to church all my life and I've never heard any message about the second coming of Christ. Well, if that's you, maybe then you're in the wrong church. Now, we are all acquainted with the fact that Jesus told stories. Those stories are called parables. Remember, he told the story of the prodigal son and we We all love the story of the prodigal son. And then there's the one of the 99 sheep and the one lost sheep. And we we love these stories. Jesus would tell them. Now, listen to this. Jesus told 41 such stories, parables. Out of the 41 that he told, 19 of them have to do with the second coming. In the last hour, just before the cross, when Jesus gathered his disciples into that upper room and, and there he broke bread with them and, and, and gave them the wine. And he said, this is my body and, and this is my blood. In that hour, Jesus told them that he was going to go away. All of them were broken up. The disciples loved him. And how would he now comfort them. Well, he said to them, John chapter 14, verses 1 to 3, Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you? I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, there you may also be. Now, in an hour when these men were so disturbed and troubled by the Lord's announcement that he was going to leave them, he comforts them with the fact that he would, in fact, come again. Now, what kind of person would Jesus be if he lied in order to comfort them? You see, some of the simplest counsel of the Lord Jesus that all of us are so familiar with is tied directly to the teachings of his second coming. Now, let's take a look. For example, Mark chapter 8, verses 36 and 37. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? For what can a man give in return for his soul? Now listen to this next one in Matthew 16 and verse 27. For the Son of Man is going to come with his angels in the glory of his Father, and then he will repay each person according to what he has done. Now, what does that mean? Well, Jesus is saying here, listen, don't worry about accumulating things in this world. Don't worry about the size of your bank account or how many houses you have and how many cars are in your garage. That's not what is important. You see, you can't take it with you. And in fact, what would it profit you if you were to gain everything the world has to offer and lose your soul? And then he says, I'm going to tell you what's important. When I come the second time, I'm going to reward you. So don't worry about the accumulation of things. You know, some of the simplest counsel and some of these familiar texts that we all know so well are all tied into the reality of the second coming. The Apostle Paul in Hebrews chapter 9 And verse 28. So Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time, not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. You see, here Paul is saying essentially we have two anchors in time. We have the anchor of the cross, and then we have the anchor of the second coming. Just as Christ died for our sins, he is also coming back again. Now let's talk a little bit about the confusion regarding the second coming of Christ. Now I've had folks, well-meaning folks, come to me and say, well, isn't the second coming of Christ really conversion? You know, when Christ comes into your heart and you're converted, isn't that what the second coming is? Now, some people have thought that, right? But it's, it's never your heart. Like, we cannot be confused this way. For example, the apostle Paul, he was certainly converted on the road to Damascus, right? When that great blindling light, you know, appeared to him and, and the Lord spoke to him directly and he was converted He was changed into another person. Yet, after his conversion, Paul was still looking for the second coming of Jesus. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 7 and 8. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me The crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. So you see that Paul, after his conversion, talks about the second coming. So to Paul, the return of Jesus Christ the second time and his conversion are not the same thing. Now, let's talk a little bit about how Jesus is going to come. Here's the way it will be. Jesus left us an infallible example in the book of Acts. Right there in the first chapter of Acts. It says, as Jesus was walking along with his disciples, you remember that he had now spent 40 days with his disciples after his death of the cross. The reason that he did that is he wanted them to stop thinking about him as being dead. So as he's walking along with the disciples, look at what the record says in Acts chapter 1, verses 9 through 11. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. The Lord ascended into heaven. The disciples watched him go. He ascended physically, visibly to the normal eye. They watched him go. He ascended with his literal body, visibly. He ascended into the skies, it says. The angel said he is coming back the same way. When the Lord descends from heaven, He will be seen with the normal human eye. He will descend physically, literally, descending from the heavens that same way that they saw him go up into heaven. Now, the second coming of Christ is mentioned some 1,800 times in the Bible. In the New Testament, one out of every 25 or 27 verses is on the second coming. Now, let me read to you something that Jesus said in that great prophetic chapter, which is the 24th chapter of Matthew, down at verses 23 and at 24. Then if anyone says to you, look, here is the Christ, or there he is, do not believe it. For false Christs and false prophets will arise and perform great signs and wonders so as to lead astray, if possible, even the elect. So what is that saying? He is saying that a time will come when people will say to us, Christ is here, Christ is there, and the people of the world are going to believe it. Everyone will believe it except a few. He calls them the elect. Everybody in the world is going to be taken in except these few, the elect. These false Christs will show signs and wonders and and miracles, and the average person is going to be gullible enough to believe that, that because of these signs, right, because these wonders, right, Because there's these miracles that this must be true. See, the thing that we need to get straight on our minds is because someone works a miracle, that doesn't prove anything. Because it says that these false Christs, these false prophets, they will show signs and miracles. And the average person is going to be taken in. You see, even though I see a miracle, it... That doesn't prove everything. I mean, at least not in the minds of those who know the Bible, because we see the Lord's warning loud and clear. Let's read on. Matthew 24, beginning down at verse 24, down to verse 27. For false Christs and false prophets will arise and perform great signs and wonders, so as to lead astray, if possible, even the elect. See, I have told you beforehand, so that if they say to you, look, he is in the wilderness, do not go out. If they say, look, he is in the inner rooms, do not believe it. For as the lightning comes from the east and shines as far as the west, so will the coming of the Son of Man be. You know, Jesus very seldom resorted to the negative. But here was a time when he was saying, my second coming is not going to be this way. His second coming is, there's nothing localized about it. And then he turns around and he makes a positive affirmation. He says, he says uh, that as the lightning comes up out of the east and shines as far as the west, so will the coming of the Son of Man be. When Jesus Christ comes the second time, no one's going to have to tell anybody else that Christ is here or there because the Bible teaches that it will be seen very clearly. Our Lord is coming. He is coming personally. He is coming visibly. He is going to descend from heaven and He's going to come, like, from one end of the sky to the other with with a great shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God. Like, it's going to be noisy. He's not coming secretly. There's not anything secret about the Lord's second coming. His coming will be a public demonstration of absolute power of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. I know you can see how important it is that we understand clearly exactly how Christ will come. You see, the average person thinks that when Christ returns, you know, he's going to come down and he's going to be walking among men. He's going to be out there in the desert. He's going to be here. He's going to be there. The average person thinks of him coming that way. It's The second coming, they say, that, well, he will walk here on the earth. But I want to give you the protective truth, the word of God, that that if you take this truth, if you take this one passage of scripture and believe it with all your heart, then it will protect you against any deception around the second coming. You see, the apostle Paul described the return of Jesus in a marvelous and clear and potent way. Look at how he describes it in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, beginning at verse 16. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry and a command and with the voice of the archangel and with the sound of the trumpet of God And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. The Bible makes it very clear that we will be caught up from the earth to meet the Lord in the sky. And if we know that, then we will be protected from any kind of deception with regards to the second coming. Let's go over now to 2 Thessalonians, chapter 2, beginning at verse 9 through 11. The coming of the lawless one is by the activity of Satan, with all power and false signs and wonders, and with all wicked deception for those who are perishing because they refused to love the truth and so be saved. Therefore God sends them a strong delusion so that they may believe what is false in order that all may be condemned who did not believe the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. You see, people expect that Jesus Christ is going to walk on the earth here when he comes the second time. Satan has deceived them into believing that. So Satan will walk the people, the earth, and people will believe it. And he will work wonders to try to prove that he's divine. And the people will accept it. Everyone will accept it except the elect. You see, here is the point. If we ask our eyes, is this the Christ, our eyes will say yes. If we ask our ears, is this Christ, our ears will say yes. If we ask our feelings, is this Christ, our feelings will say yes. But if we ask the word of God, the word of God will say no, this is the devil. You see, the whole world is going to be taken in except the elect. Why? Because they know the truth. Because the elect love the truth. So what will happen to the people of the world when the Lord comes? Well, the record tells us in Revelation chapter 6, beginning at verse 15 down through 17. and who can stand. Think about this. The people of the earth, without discrimination of class or society, they would rather have a mountain fall upon them than look in the face of Jesus. What are they hiding from? They don't want to see his face. Hide us from his face, they say. They see him come, and then it says, hide us from the wrath of the lamb. Let me ask you something. Have you ever seen an angry lamb? I mean, anger is something that is quite foreign to the nature of the lamb. It isn't like our Lord to be angry. It's not like him at all. But what about the people of God? What happens to them when the Lord comes? Well, the record of the Bible says in Isaiah chapter 25 and verse 9, the following. They will say, Behold, this is our God. We have waited for him that he might save us. This is the Lord. We have waited for him. Let us be glad and rejoice in his salvation. The families that have been separated by death They will be reunited. Millions of God's people that have died in their faith will draw the breath of eternal life. The dead in Christ will rise at the call of the one who is the resurrection and life. Children will join their families. Children that were snatched away in some tragedy of death. When the Lord comes, the great physician, there won't be any sick people. We're going to throw away our glasses. The words, I'm sick, will never be spoken again. We shall rise in the Lord's kingdom in eternal youth. And all of the skin that is wrinkled by age will be smooth and beautiful. There will be no more doctors, no more cancer, no more emphysema, no more heart trouble. You see, the Lord's second coming is not so much the end as it's the beginning. I mean, no wonder it's called a blessing. And every one of us, unconsciously, every single one of us has a desire in our hearts that will not be satisfied until we have what Jesus alone can give. He is coming again with everlasting peace, with his blessedness, giving us immortality. He is coming again, my friends, very soon. So I pray even so, come Lord Jesus. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the promise of the soon coming of Jesus. May the words that we have studied today bring an encouragement to those that find themselves in, on a hospital bed or find themselves grieving the loss of a loved one or find themselves in desperate situations. May the promise of the soon coming of Jesus, when he will set everything straight, bring comfort and peace to those troubled hearts today. Bless each and every viewer, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we've come to that time in our program where we have our special offer. And today's program is no exception. I have a wonderful little book here written by my friend and colleague, Sean Boonstra. It's called The Final Moments, critical last day events if you'd like to request this free offer then pay close attention to the information we're about to provide you to receive today's free offer you can log on to the lessons for living television website www.l4ltv.com that's the lessons for living television website www.l4ltv.com you can also write us at post office box 27030 Simcoe Conland Post Office, Oshawa, Ontario, L1G 0A3. That's Post Office Box 27030 Simcoe Conland Post Office, Oshawa, Ontario, L1G 0A3. If you wish, you can order this offer by calling our 1 800 number at 1 972 0337. I want to thank you so much for joining us. And before we go in our final moments, just remind you of a few things, I want to start by mentioning our website, l4ltv.com. The website is a great tool, I think. You can request the offers on the website. You can do some study on the website through the archived sermons. And then the handouts that you can download and there's some questions there. You can subscribe to an online Bible study course and you can even while online, make a donation to this ministry. We are a charitable organization and any donation you make is eligible for an official receipt for income tax purposes. So I'd like you to consider that if you feel so impressed by the Holy Spirit to support this ministry with a donation. Uh, Follow me on Instagram every morning, 6.30 a.m. Eastern Time. We put out a one-minute devotional video. Great way to get your day started. Uh, Follow me on Twitter. Like our Facebook page. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. Follow us on SoundCloud. There's an audio version of the program available for about half an hour from the end of the program. You can download it, and you can have the audio, and you can take that with you wherever you go. Very quickly, before we go, I want you to visit also missionnowcanada.com. That is the humanitarian side of our ministry that does overseas humanitarian work. Check that out. Maybe you can join us on an upcoming mission trip. We are all out of time. Thank you so much for being here. We hope to have you back with us again next time. God bless you. We'll see you then.